star Might win an Oscar, you can never tell The movie's gonna make me a big star Hi, welcome to Meet Me in the Movies. I am Noel T. Manning II. We appreciate you hanging out with us right here on C19 TV. And if you're listening to the podcast, that's on WG wg.org and as always however you decide to spend time with us we just want to thank you uh we know you've got other things you can do with your time but if you choose the time to be with us we can say nothing more than just thank you thank you thank you uh special guest today we got we got thomas manning he's not a special guest thomas manning's been hanging out with us for a while now thomas good to see you buddy hope you're doing okay Oh, definitely. Thanks for having me, as always. Yep. And uh, Greg Tillman, uh, he's, he's still doing some research. So Greg is not with us today. And we have not seen Tim Foster in quite a while. Uh, we've, we've got some search parties out there looking for Tim, but uh, we do have a special guest. And as I've been saying uh, all along during, uh, it seems like forever now, uh, as we've been kind of going through the coronavirus and even coming through the tail end of it and thinking about what else is going on, we've really been able to find ways to connect with other film critics and filmmakers and Zoom has been amazing for that as far as an opportunity is concerned. And uh, a good friend of mine from, from years gone by, uh, Adam Long, <laughs> uh, is uh, our guest today. And Adam is a, uh, he's a film critic, a longtime film critic um, for uh, Focus uh, Newspaper. Uh, so Adam, I tell you, man, we're glad to have you. You Focus Newspaper, you're also a correspondent for Movie Geeks United, uh, a former co-host for Cinema Scene, and also a member of the North Carolina Film Critics Association. Adam, you and I met years ago uh, at the Real to Real Film Festival, uh, and we kind of hit it off there, and uh, that's kind of been our, uh, at least, you know, we try to get together more than once or twice a year, but when we can't, <laughs> we always try to connect there and have lunch or supper or something just to get together. So, Adam, so glad you're here, buddy. Oh, I'm glad to be here. Very, very glad to be here. And uh, I enjoy, always enjoy chatting it up with you. And of course, I've watched Thomas grow up and uh, he was, um, I don't know, 10, 11, 12 years old when we first started. What the years have brought. Yeah. Oh, and, 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 <laughs> yeah and, and now even Thomas is a member of the North Carolina Film Critics Association. So, uh, yeah, yeah. Congrats. Oh, thank you so much. Appreciate it. <laughs> well, Adam, really, really glad to have you, man. Looking forward to spending some time uh, talking with you uh, as well. And, you know, I know you and I've talked before, and your your first film experience was this disaster film called The Towering Inferno. Uh, mm -hmm. You're a big fan of Brian De Palma. Uh, you are drawn to drama films, and uh, you, you also... Uh, you just love films altogether, but you, you're really drawn to films that have story and that have oh, yeah. uh, stories that you can relate to. So let's talk about um, where that film, where that love of uh, a film began with you and what made you decide to continue to follow it and look at it critically? Well, you know, it's, it's funny because as a kid, and we've talked about this before, I, you know, escapism was kind of the name of the game for me as a kid. Uh, I loved horror films growing up. Big, big thing with me. Still is. Still is. I still enjoy horror, a good horror film. But uh, I was in my early 20s when I saw a film called Frankie and Johnny. I know it was kind of a commercial Hollywood uh, based on a play by the recently deceased Terrence McNally, uh, unfortunately a victim of COVID. And uh, he wrote the screenplay. It was directed by Gary Marshall, the follow-up to Pretty Woman. And uh, this was a film about, it was basically a study about um, 
two lonely people. And it was an ode to loneliness. And I don't know, uh, the night I saw it, I was sitting there in a the theater by myself on a Monday night, and I was kind of feeling that the same vibe that the film was. And I thought, you know, this is, um, I don't know, uh, I, I'm feeling something here. This is an examination of the problems that real people have, as opposed to a lot of the escapism that I had been uh, investing myself in up to that point. And um, I don't know, it just kind of was a catalyst, I guess you would say, uh, and kind of an unlikely catalyst. Uh, from that point on, I, I started uh, getting more serious about the film and looking into the filmmakers of my past who came on before I was on this, shuffling around on this mortal coil. And, you know, I, I took an interest in uh, what had come before and, and some of the filmmakers who were making films at that time. Oliver Stone was a big a big thing for me around that time because I really kind of, he was making the kind of films that were speaking to me that were pretty serious and about pretty serious issues. Uh, you know, this was around the time of Born on the Fourth of July and um, JFK, which came out that same calendar year. So all of this was kind of happening at, at the same time. And uh, so that was kind of a, what the jumping off point that led me to uh, seeing cinema for more than just, uh, you know, having a good time that, uh, you know, and, and I guess I saw probably Michael Moore's Roger and me somewhere along in that line, which kind of opened my mind to documentary filmmaking. Yeah. Uh, also kind of, uh, and another one I remember was the, uh, the thin blue line uh, directed by Errol Morris, which actually led to the exoneration of the subject of the film. It was a man who was wrongfully in prison and he wound up having his sentence commuted as, uh, as, as a result of the film. So these things, you know, all at once just kind of, I said, well, you know, film can be life changing. Yes. And, uh, you know, I mean, I grew up seeing, you know, superhero films, Superman, of course, and, uh, all of that stuff and, uh, nothing wrong with it. I, uh, I think Superman is still the greatest <laughs> comic book adaptation. I'll stand by that one. Uh, you know, I love, I love, uh, you know, those types of movies when they're done well and they don't and they don't pander, shall we say, or insult my intelligence. But um, uh, you know, but I, I did. I started getting serious, and I, I, I so I guess that's when the passion for me. Uh, yeah. It's about the films of the struggles of the of the of the um, the human being. I guess you would say, right. yeah, humans. So, yeah, absolutely. You know, looking at human nature and looking at the things that that challenge us to think and mm -hmm. look within ourselves. I know, Thomas, you had a, a question I think you wanted to ask Adam. You've known him for a long time, but this is your first chance to really spend some time with him as a fellow film critic. So I know you might have a question or two you want to throw out. So I want to give, give you a chance right here. Uh, yeah, so it definitely looks like empathy within filmmaking is something that really draws you in. And uh, I was just curious, what are some of the uh, specific like thematic foundations within film uh, that really draws you in to look at it from an extremely empathetic perspective? Well, I think um, trying to find uh, meaning of, in, in life and trying to find fulfillment, um, trying to find um, the, the human connection, I guess those are all themes that resonate with me. Um, trying to find one's uh, place in the world, uh, mm -hmm. some sort of feeling of, um, uh, of belonging yeah. and acceptance. Uh, those are all things that that strongly resonate for me. 
because those have been struggles for me, uh, to be quite honestly. Uh, it's, it's most of my life I have struggled to find places. You know, growing up in a small town and you're a, a tremendous film buff, you know, especially in the Deep South, it's, it's not really um, the easiest thing. Uh, in a lot of ways, you, you feel like an outsider. I know I did. Um, there weren't many people like me. Let's put it that way. <laughs> and, uh, and, you know, you just feel like you're odd, you know, and, and that nobody really gets you. And so those are themes that I, you know, identified with growing up with as a, as a child and as a teenager. Uh, you know, now as I've gotten older and I've gotten to befriend uh, some of the filmmakers and some of the actors who have participated in some of my favorite films, you know, and, and fans of their work as well. I, you know, there's a big circle out there that, that yep. you know, I, I feel a part of, I do feel acceptance, but yeah, those are, those are things that I are, are very, um, that resonate very strongly with me. If that yeah. uh, makes any sense. Yeah, it makes a lot of sense. And I think one of the things that's interesting, you know, you talk about kind of being in a small town and, and you and I both grew up in small towns and, we grew up before there were opportunities to do things like this, to do Zoom interactions with other film critics and other filmmakers, you know, before there was a thing called Letterboxd or the internet for that matter, mm -hmm. uh, where you could connect and you could find connections with others that have the same sense of wanting to belong or belonging and understanding and, and feeling and questioning and asking thoughts relating to cinema and relating to film beyond just the, the popcorn flick. And, mm -hmm. uh, you know, Thomas has been fortunate enough that he's grown up uh, with, with the dad who has been connected to it. And, you know, Thomas has been going to film screenings, these early screenings, probably since he can remember. And, uh, you know, we've been watching these movies and going to these films. And so, uh, you know, he's been sitting on Critics Row, you know, since he was a young kid. And, and like you said, you, you know him for years. And so, you know, for Thomas to be able to now be at that point where he's interacting with other film critics as, you know, um, somebody who's, of course, gaining uh, stuff from, from mentors out there, but he's also on, on the same, um, you know, the same stage that they are. And so I, I think the opportunities, I wish these opportunities that are here now uh, were there when you and I were growing up, but we've, we found a way, we found a way. Eventually, yeah, exactly. <laughs> halfway through my life, at least I hope I'm halfway. I hope I'm not at the end, but uh, I, I'd like to think I'm halfway through my life. So, you know, and I, and I found a way that, that kind of, you know, where I feel some sort of acceptance. And so, uh, you know, maybe I can enjoy the rest of it, if uh, assuming I've, I've got some time ahead of me. <laughs> well, let's hope. Well, let's hope. Yeah, well, we at least hope you have another 14, 15 minutes, uh, at oh, least. Yeah. <laughs> or this could get really interesting if I die yeah, on really camera. Yeah, yeah really good. For the ages. <laughs> <laughs> well, I want to go back to Brian De Palma. Thomas has become a fan of some of De Palma's work, and he's been able to see some of that as well. What is it that, because I remember you and I have talked, but what is it that, that uh, draws you to the work of De Palma? Well, um, again, uh, I think his films are very emotional. Uh, there's a lot of, uh, they, they, they explore the, the kind of the, the dark side of uh, people, I guess. Uh, <laughs> Blowout in particular is a film that, that's probably my favorite because yeah. um, it, it's about a guy who wants to do the right thing. He wants to uh, exposed this conspiracy where the governor has been killed and he wants to get the truth out there. 
and all the forces are lining up against him, and no matter how hard he tries, uh, it's just too much. It's and, and the movie ends on a very – spoiler alert, I guess I should say, but the film ends on a very uh, downbeat note where he's lost everything, including somebody that really meant something to him on an emotional level. Um, all of his evidence is gone, and basically the, the – Every you know, it's the, the forces are stacked against him, and um, you know that that kind of thing is it's it's just a powerful thing to I think uh, and, and of course De Palma's technique I think is another thing that really attracts me attracts me to his work uh, immediately. I can remember seeing Carrie in my teens, and I saw it when I was nine years old when it made its uh, CBS television debut way back when. Well. That's been a long time ago. <laughs> I, you know, I wasn't paying attention to technique when I was in third grade, but then when it, uh, we, you know, it became available on video cassette, and I was able to uh, get the cassette of it and watch it in the late '80s, uh, I really started picking. I thought, wow, this is just such an incredibly uh, technically proficient film, and I had seen a lot of De Palma's work up to that point, but really didn't take note of the technique and the technique. Mm -hmm. In his films is what uh, he knows how to play an audience or emotionally on an emotional level um like in dress to kill is another example where uh, the angie dickinson character you expect her to be the main character and he takes a a, a, a page out of hitchcock's yes. notebook in psycho and he kills her halfway through the film yeah and um so you know, I like how he, he, he does play the emotions of the audience and does it in an interesting way. A lot of people have accused him, of course, over the years of being a Hitchcock ripoff artist. And I think he took the themes that Hitchcock kind of start. He took some of the, the ideas that Hitchcock started and he took them to the next level. I think he took them to a place where Hitchcock couldn't take them because of the um, the ratings codes and, and all right. of it. Well, also... Yeah. All that. Yeah, and, te and technology, and I mean, as you as you move forward and, and look at the changes in filmmaking, there are more things you can do as you go through the years. So I think, to me, uh, I think that's a uh, whenever you can go back and say, okay, that person inspired me, and I'm going to continue what they've done and try to do it in a different way, maybe a not necessarily a better way, but maybe a way that can um, build on it. I think mm -hmm. that's awesome, you know, to build on the foundation of others. I mean, that says a whole lot. Well, we're at a, a midway point intermission. We're going to take an intermission. Uh, we're going to come back with Adam Long and Thomas Manning. I'm Noel T. Manning II. Uh, you are watching Meet Me at the Moody's on C19 TV. And if you're listening to the podcast version, that's through WGWG.org. Uh, when we come back, uh, we're going to talk uh, maybe about some favorite directors of Adams that maybe he wouldn't mind having direct his life story. And Thomas and I are going to get in on that uh, hot topic as well. Uh, Adam, glad you're here and uh, glad for all of our listeners and, and our viewers for spending time with us right here on Meet Me at the Movies. We'll be right back after this quick intermission. They're gonna put me in the movies. They're gonna make a big star out of me. Just want to let you know, I care. 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 We care about you at Cleveland Community College because we're a family. With all the recent changes that have occurred across our nation and the world, 
We've been forced to make changes to our schedule and to the daily operations of our college. And we want to make sure that you're able to stay on track with your courses. CCC's care team is ready to help you. Be a part of building the future. Be a welder. The welding technology program at Cleveland Community College prepares you with the science, the technology, and the skills to be a successful welder. Experienced instructors using state-of-the-art equipment train students using industry standard skills developed through classroom training and practical application. Successful graduates are in high demand and are employed as entry-level technicians in welding and metalworking industries. Learn more about Cleveland Community College at 704-669-4077. These lines, like the creases in my father's hands, show the hard work and sacrifices of a line worker. These lines are the connections my father helped build between people, businesses, and organizations. They tell the story of how we invested in ourselves. We're public power, and these lines are our lines. Welcome back to Meet Me in the Movies. I am Noel T. Manning II, hanging out with you right here on C19 TV. And if you're watching this online, uh, you can always stream the show C19.tv and then listen to the podcast through WGWG.org. I am Noel T. Manning II, hanging out with Thomas Manning, uh, fellow North Carolina film critic, and then Adam Long. Uh, Adam Long, also our guest right here from Focus Newspapers. Also, uh, Adam is a correspondent with Movie Geeks United and a former co-host for CinemaScene. Adam, good to have you, man. Uh, thanks for spending the, the first part of the show giving us some good background on, on you, the things you like, what you're drawn to. Uh, well, I do have one, one quick question before we dive into the hot topic. Um, you, you mentioned kind of movies about life, movies that make you think, movies that make you look at yourself, things that you're drawn to. Was there anything that's come out over the past couple of years that's just really resonated with you that you said, yeah, that's a film I will go back to? Oh yeah, absolutely. And, and I want to give some uh, props to a director that a lot of people don't, aren't really familiar with his work, but I think this guy is a real saint. Uh, and I mean that he's a real saint, the, the work that he's done. He's been making films very quietly for about 50 years. His name's Ken Loach. And uh, he won the Cannes Film Festival Award in 2016 for a film called I, Daniel Blake. And all of his films are about the struggles of the working class and the lower class, the people on the lower rungs of society. Uh, I, Daniel Blake was a fantastic film about a man in his late fifties who had a heart attack and has been instructed not to work, but yet he has to apply for jobs in order to get his benefits, but he can't accept any of the jobs. And so it's about all the, the red tape he has to go through to get basically what our society should be providing for him. Uh, he has made another film since then. And it's funny, he retired in 2014 and then the rise of the labor party and the conservative wing and, uh, Great Britain uh, urged, he decided to get out of retirement and come back. Into, he's made two films since retiring. Wow. He's now 83 years old, and he made a film in 2019. It's getting ready to come out on Blu-ray. I recently saw it, and it's called Sorry We Missed You. And this is a fantastic, it's an incredible sucker punch of a film about, a, uh, and it's uh, basically about this gig economy that we're in right now, where people are taking jobs, doing, you know, basically 
in the case of this film, this guy's a delivery driver, and he decides to buy a van so he can be a, a, a FedEx-type driver. And then he realizes he's way in over his head because of all the responsibilities that that, that entails. And uh, it's just about the, just the horrors of um, the, the, the struggles of the working class trying to get ahead. And, try, and this film is just, uh, it's incredible. Um, okay, awesome. I would highly recommend Sorry We Missed You is, is a, a recent one from just the last year that's uh, fantastic. So Awesome. And, and so if you're going to give that a rating as, as A to F, like on the report card scale, what would you give that? Solid A, A plus? Oh, yeah, A plus. I gave it five stars on the letterbox. So uh, it's, um, it's, awesome. it's, it's a sucker punch, but don't expect that. <laughs> don't, don't expect sunshine, sunshine lollipops and roses. <laughs> <laughs> well, it, it is not a uh, ride off into the sunset with that film. Well, uh, talking about directors, we're going to dive into our hot topic. And the hot topic is if uh, a film was made on your life, who would you have direct that film and why? And uh, we will see how many of these we can get to. I've got a list of three right off the bat that I'm going to uh, share, but I'm gonna, we'll do one at a time. Thomas, I'm going to let you dive in. And then Adam, I'll dive in and then I'll let you be thinking about who you'd like to direct your life. Thomas, go for it, buddy. Oh, yeah. Well, if you take a look at my T-shirt, then you might get a little, little bit of a hint. Uh, I'm going with Robert Zemeckis, of course, uh, famous for the Back to the Future trilogy, as well as a whole host of other films in the past three to four decades. And uh, I think specifically looking to the Back to the Future comparison, I've always felt that personally I belong in like the 70s or the 80s or the 60s even. So why not have Robert Zemeckis make a movie about me sending me back in time? And that's just an idea that's always really stuck with me. And that would be just an absolute blast to be a part of a film production directed by a legend like him. And um, he's one of those, he always finds a way to push the envelope in regard to uh, the incorporation of different technology, like where, how he's used animation in some of his films, like uh, Who Framed Roger Rabbit. Uh, he used really interesting uh, motion capture techniques with like Polar Express. And uh, I'd love to be part of one of his stories and then to be a part of um, a different pathway of technology and filmmaking that he uses. Awesome. Good choice. Good choice, Thomas. Uh, as long as it's, he's not uh, putting you in the role of Ebenezer Scrooge, I'm sure that yeah. you, that's one you're going to stay away from. You're not really happy about, about that movie for some reason. Yeah, I think uh, that one, I was probably seven or eight years old <laughs> when we saw a little Ebenezer Scrooge like turn into a little mouse or something. It, it turned into like a little one-inch man, and that just kind of scarred me for life. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I, I'm, yeah, we'll blame your dad for that. We yeah, definitely yeah. blame your dad for that. Well, if I were going to have uh, a director uh, direct my life, first one that comes to mind is Opie Cunningham. Uh, Opie Taylor, Richie Cunningham, Ron Howard is who I'm talking about. Ron Howard, uh, I've always loved him. I mean, going back to the end of Griffith days and watched him, uh, watched him grow up uh, by seeing him on Happy Days and then turning into this director that really could do the kinds of things he wanted to do. And he had some great opportunities. And what I love about him is he has an incredible attention to detail. He loves redheads, and so I, I can't I can't fault him for that because I've got some uh, reds redheads in my family, and I, I used to be one with a whole lot more of the red hair. Uh, I also love uh, his ability to make stories that may seem simple to others um, worthwhile, and he brings out that worthwhile aspect. and And he can take snapshots of history. He can take. Uh, take these really creative uh, roles. I mean, I go back and think about Cocoon 
and some of the things he did with this movie that that nobody really thought this movie was going to be worthwhile and it was uh, and then he also takes chances uh, and he's not afraid to pick up where other people left off and so ron howard uh, is definitely on my list and would be one of my first go-to directors uh, for directing my life all right adam uh, what have you got on yours buddy well, goodness gracious, I, uh, I have to go back to what Thomas was saying, though. Uh, I'm a big fan of Robert Zemeckis as well, and I, I think people tend to forget those early comedies he made, like I Want to Hold Your Hand and Use Cars, and uh, if I was going to be in a comedy, uh, if you're going to make a comedy out of my life, I would, I would go for Robert Zemeckis also. <laughs> so, um, anyway, but no, I would have to go with Billy Wilder, the great Billy Wilder, uh, because Billy Wilder was a, um, a director who made movies from the 30s all the way up into the 1980s, which is pretty amazing when you think about that. Uh, and his movies could be sometimes serious. He made the first film about alcoholism, which won the Academy Award uh, The Lost Weekend. But uh, his films could also be hysterically funny, uh, as in some like it hot. But then they could also be somewhere in the middle, like The Apartment, um, where his films could be, um, you know, there's, there's a touch of seriousness along with the humor. And uh, he was very cynical in his outlook which I can be sometimes. I'm not saying that's a good way to look at the world. I'm not recommending it, but it just is what it is. And, and I can't deny it. I tend to do that sometimes a little too much. And I have to stop myself. So the cynicism and the romantic, I'm a big romantic. So, uh, and so Billy Wilder was as well. So uh, it's a, per he's a perfect, uh, seems to be able to per capture perfectly uh, the, um, the qualities of romant uh, romanticism and, uh, cynicism in equal parts. And uh, so Billy Wilder would probably be my go-to guy. Great choice. Great choice. All right, Thomas, you have somebody else on your list. Uh, yes, yeah, so I'm going to go with a close collaborator of Robert Zemeckis, uh, Steven Spielberg, who I think we've all heard of him once or twice. And, um, and I think I love the way he is able to direct child actors and just kind of combine reality with their imaginations. If I could, you know, go back to when I was little, it would have been just so awesome to be directed by Spielberg in one of his movies like he's done with something like E.T. or with uh, Close Encounters of the Third Kind. And just being a part of something like that would uh, just be unforgettable. So, uh, since you've mentioned Spielberg, I'm gonna mention a recent filmmaker that you and I both have uh, spent some time with and uh, fallen in love with his work, uh, Taika Waititi. Love this guy. Um, he is fun. Uh, his sense of humor combined with his willingness to explore a variety of topics really just brings me into what he does. He's not afraid to take chances. And uh, I wouldn't mind somebody taking a chance with my life uh, and, and looking at it through maybe their lens and, and the way they saw it. So, Tagawakiti uh, is my pick for uh, also a director. And Adam, we've got, a, we've got one minute, so if you want to dive in with one more, go for it, buddy. Oh, sure. Uh, Alexander Payne would be my other go-to guy. Um, there's a tinge of melancholy that runs through all of his films, and there's a tinge of melancholy that runs through me as well. So, <laughs> and wistfulness, a combination of that. So, and he captures that perfectly in films like Sideways and uh, About Schmidt. So, yeah, uh, there's my awesome. guy. Adam Long, our guest right here on Meet Me at the Movies. We appreciate that. Uh, where can people find you, Adam, if they are looking for you and want to connect with you? 
Oh, uh, sure. Um, you can uh, go to focusnewspaper.com and there's a, a tab up there that says Adam Long Movie Reviews. You'll see it. Uh, you can also go to moviegeeksunited.net where my producing partner, Jamie Duvall, and I um, are putting up content on a weekly basis. Uh, we just recently re remastered our critically acclaimed Kubrick series, which is really, really uh, good stuff. If you're a Kubrick fan, we basically contacted as many people as we could who were still alive. Uh, who participated in his his films and we take uh, one of his films in each episode and we go in depth with as many of the surviving players that we could find and uh, we got a lot of nice press on that and I think people really would love that so those have awesome. been remastered in uh, with better sound and we just re reissued those so awesome Adam we appreciate you being here man glad we could do this really glad to see you always uh, and Thomas good to see you and for all of those who uh, spent time with us this week on Meet Me in the Movies. We thank you. We thank you so much. I'll leave you with a quote of the week, as I always do. This comes from Apollo 13, a Ron Howard film. Gentlemen, it's been a privilege flying with you. So until next time, I'm Noel T. Manning II for Meet Me in the Movies and all the cast and crew here. We thank you. And that is a wrap. Happy